0: Good morning, good morning, Victory Church family and friends. This is the day that the Lord has made and we do rejoice and we are glad in it. Uh, Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us. My name is Paul. I'm privileged to serve as pastor of Victory Church of Charlottesville, where we exist to see people reconciled to God and to each other. And for the next 29 minutes, I'll be sharing a message with you and and followed by uh, communion And I also have with me my spiritual uh, fathers in the gospel, Pastor Brett Fuller, senior pastor at Grace Covenant Church uh, in Chantilly, who is the sending church and pastor for us here at Victory Church, as well as Pastor Jim Critcher, the senior associate pastor there at Grace. And so I'll abbreviate some of my message today so as to provide them space to also share. Um, If you haven't been with us all morning on some of the Zoom calls that we've had as a church family, you might be wondering why I'm here. Uh, I'm supposed to be off this month of March and, and, and you're right. I am supposed to be off, but I'm not. Um, I will be sharing the word this morning and some timely um, uh, uh, information that is pertinent to us as a church. Um, And let me just say parenthetically there, Stefan, Dr. Stefan Wheelock, thank you. Uh, because you yielded your time to me in the bottom of the ninth inning. You were diligently in the word and prepared to share, and I do want you to at some point soon. Uh, So thank you for yielding your time for what I believe was appropriate uh, for me to share with the congregation um, this morning. And we'll be looking forward to the rest of March, as was previously planned, modified a little bit in terms of hearing some voices from within our congregation, though the same vision that we have here at Victory Church, which we are blessed to have in the house. So again, good to, uh, to, to, to be here with you this morning, and let's jump right into the Word of God. Look with me to the book of Ezekiel. Um, we'll look at uh, Ezekiel chapter 22, and I'll look at verses 29 through 30. Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 29 to 30, and as you find that, let us pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this privilege, this honor to steward the gospel, to open up your word together. As the psalmist writes in Psalm 119 and 18, Lord, open our eyes so that we could see all of the wonderful things you have for us from your word. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 29 through 30. And I'm going to read from the New International Version this morning. Ezekiel chapter 22 verses 29 and 30 reads this way. The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall. And stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. The title of the sermon message this morning is Keep Standing. Keep Standing. Uh, Each of us, according to the word of God, is uh, and were born into sin, having inherited the legacy of sin, if you will, through Adam and Eve. And that sin separated us from God a gap that we had no power no capacity to bridge on our own but God who so loved the world John chapter 3 verse 16 said gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not have to die would not have to perish but in fact could have everlasting life And so to that end, when we believe, when we confess with our mouths, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says, when we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, we are born again. And by grace, God's grace, through our faith, we are saved. And even though when we talk about being justified or declared righteous or given right standing with God, Though justified upon the profession of our faith, there is still this process, as we've talked about at Victory Over Time, of sanctification, the ongoing process of being cleansed from all unrighteousness according to the Holy Spirit and God's word. And that is a lifelong process until we experience glorification, which is our leaving this earth to live with Jesus forever. And this process of sanctification on earth, constantly reminds us I know it reminds me that we are not God and even as pastor I am not God and I thank God that I am not and I thank God that you're not (laughs) because if any of us were most of us tuning in today would probably have been taken out of this world a long time ago you may not want to admit that but I'm sure you have a list short list maybe a long list that if Anyone on that list were to, say, trip up the stairs a few times, you wouldn't lose sleep. (laughs) You might even say, Lord, let your will be done today (laughs) as they trip up those stairs. And if you have that list, chances are you're on somebody else's list. So I am thankful we are not God. I'm thankful that we are not God. And every day we can be reminded of that. We can wake up in the morning, as I do sometimes, and I say, wow, God, you did it again. You allowed me to wake up. My, my Go out and look at the sun and I say, wow, God, you did that. And our children go out at night and they see the moon. We can say, God, wow, look, look at what you hung in the sky for us. I'm not you. I could not have bridged the gap that sin created. Could not have penned even as pastor the vision for Victory Church alone. God, your hand has been and will be present. And you promise never to leave us. And so Jesus, use me, use us to bear your image well, by standing in the gaps here on earth as you've called us to do—the gaps created by sin, the gaps created by uh, the sin of racism, the the sin of sexism, the sin of of uh, of injustice. God, help us to stand in the gap. And we at Victory Church, as your pastor, I am beyond grateful for how we stand in the gap every day in your individual spheres of influence, in your families, in our broader community, we, we stand in the gap. And so the admonishment this morning is to keep standing, keep standing because when we stand, others live. When we stand, not just the pastor or the, when when, when the ordained ones, but when we stand as we have stood, others have life. When we stand, others, others live. For some background or context to what we've read this morning, Ezekiel, the author of this book, is a Hebrew prophet. His role as prophet is described more in the 33rd chapter as a watchman who looks for coming trouble and then warns the people. He did so for about 23 years and was keenly aware of God's presence and power in human affairs. He, he, he addresses both the exiles to Babylon and the people left in Judah with messages of, 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 of warning and judgment, predicting the fall of Jerusalem. And yet in the midst of uh, the social uh, disintegration, if you will, of Judah, there's this search. we read about here the search for one righteous person to make a difference now you might be like me at times where you wonder or maybe it's difficult to see how the prophets of old are relevant to us today since it seems their messages were directed toward israel that was them right god (laughs) truth is there's so much relevance For so many reasons, not the least of which is in the basic messages of the prophets, we learn about God and what matters to God. So here in this text we've read this morning, we see that the people in the land were practicing extortion. The text says they were committing robbery. They were oppressing the poor and 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 they were mistreating the foreigner, denying them justice. Sound familiar? This was among many other acts you can read about earlier in the chapter that were not pleasing to God, including. Not limited to bloodshed, idolatry, the perversion of power, and just outright forgetting God, it says in uh, verse 12 of this chapter. And God, his infinite mercy, says through Ezekiel, I'm looking for someone who's going to stand in the gap on behalf of the land, which includes the land's inhabitants, Second Chronicles 16 and 9 says, for the eyes of the Lord are ranging throughout the earth to strengthen whose hearts are fully committed to him. God's looking, looking for someone, even in the midst of all the craziness to build a wall, which in in, in context is a reference to the 13th chapter where God is saying through Ezekiel that the leaders are not repairing the wall so that Israel could stand firm in battle. He's looking for someone to take some matching, looking for someone to continue, for example, managing the property Victory Church owns to ensure that at least one family and prayerfully even more to come can see that Jesus cares about them and they're being able to afford a home within the confines of the city of Charlottesville, looking for someone to continue serving the children of our community whose needs have not and won't change, they'll still need direction and guidance and love and discipleship. Looking for someone to, to turn social media into the pulpit to preach the gospel. Who will stand in the gap? Who will make up the breach against the judgment of God by repenting, by praying for, and by actively engaging godly reform? Who will stand in in the gap because when we stand others live in victory the truth is we we stand we've stood we stand and there's so much more standing to do and God is saying here in the text amidst all of the social fragmentation that's occurring in Judah who's with me who 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 who's the one righteous person just just one could make a difference and I'll get the pounds wrong but when the horse is pulling however many pounds when there are two it's not just twice as much right it's 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 infinitely more that can be drawn and we've seen that in our community what happens when we the church as I preached some a year or so ago when we the church together pull we can see the community change we can see walls of hostility demolished we can see that which in our natural strength could not otherwise have been seen because the holy spirit as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, is dwelling in this collective gathering called the church. We are here to repair. We, we call in on Monday nights, every single Monday at eight o'clock to 820, not because we don't have three little kids and something else to do, but, but to stand in the gap. We've gathered on Zoom throughout the pandemic in small groups Again, not because we don't have a kid to help with homework or a job that's asking us to work overtime, especially if you're at UVA and you're dealing with all the quarantines and and such as many of you are, but no, because we recognize the value and the life-giving nature of such gatherings. And I imagine at times we feel called and compelled to move on to other walls, to move on to other walls to build. And if God is saying that, amen, we've had some who have come and they've transitioned and we've been privileged to say, God bless you and thank you as they moved on to another wall. And Apostle Paul, even in Acts 20, was compelled by the spirit to move on to other walls, if you will. And he charged those left behind to keep standing. And today, family, that's my charge because of As of June uh, of this year, the Harris family, my wife, our three children, we will be moving on to another wall. We'll be moving on to stand in the gap in State College, Pennsylvania, Penn State University. Um, And let me say firstly that no thanks be to God, it's not because of some scandal My wife still loves me. Praise the Lord. Our kids do too, I believe. God is ministering to our family and allowing us to continue to grow closer to each other in him. So no, it's not because of any biblical disqualifying sin for someone in my role that I step aside. It's also not solely because of any one factor or experience, and I can list many, as many of us can just in the last year, not to mention the last five of collective trauma that your body experiences and it manifests in various ways it, it it i wish i could draw the line from a to z of this and this and this and this to to make it that linear but it's not even solely based on one factor or one experience though they've given us pause to reflect certainly on god's path forward for us ultimately with a lot of peace it's about god's plan for what walls he's calling us to And what walls he's calling us to pass on the baton to. Um, In what ways he's calling us in this season to stand in the gap. And all that I know is God's plan is perfect. That he who promised is faithful. That his word will not come back void. All I know is that God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And I am asking a whole lot for victory right now. I work probably harder than I've ever worked over the last five, six, honestly, my whole life, (laughs) Uh, but the last five or six years as it relates specifically to Victory Church in that um, my commitment is to ensure as seamless a transition from me as pastor to whomever God calls and brings in Um, a family of which I will forever be a part. Um, I have plans, had plans, and yet God is ordering our steps. And what an honor, I'll move on, to have stood in the gap with you. What a privilege to have stewarded this vision alongside you. I came to serve, and I, our family has received so much more than I think we ever could have given. We got brothers, we have sisters who will ride with us for life. Those who moved here from Northern Virginia, Andrea, Ashley, Mary, those of you here already who have locked in to the vision, those who have transitioned since coming, Ashley who's gonna be moving closer to her family. We give God praise and thank God for what we've been privileged to experience. You've stood, we've become family and we will continue to be though different. Though grieving this identity and this dynamic will continue to be family. And so my appeal, my appeal is for all of us to keep, keep standing. We're going to be soliciting a lot of input and feedback from you in days and weeks to come about how Victory Church can best keep standing in our physical absence. We'll have moments on Zoom and, and prayerfully as the weather heats up, we'll get even and more, get the vaccine. We'll have even more socially or we'll have some socially distanced in-person moments to both worship together and collectively pray and share next steps as well. Now, many of you have already heard this announcement. You've heard this news and and, and we've been able to share many one-on-one, some in the group context on the Zoom call. But for some of you, this might be new. You're tuning in today, it may even be shocking. Can I tell you if I'm honest, I'm pretty shocked that I ever, that I'm saying what I'm saying in this moment. But if there's anything that I've learned over the 28 years I've been walking with Jesus is that I am not and never will be God. And his ways are not mine. His thoughts are not mine. I am a planner, a strong J on the Myers-Briggs to the day that I die. And yet God orders my steps every single way, every single Day and, and and year and in every single way of my life and our family's lives and 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 our privilege is to steward um, those steps and 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 be obedient to them as faithfully as we can and that not without love and a sense of great loss for what he's allowed us to be a part of here and so um, it's been the privilege of my. Um, in my own life, if I can just speak for a bit, and yes, we'll go over it. If I said 29 minutes, I was lying today. It's usually 29 minutes. We ain't going to go that much further over, but we'll go over because um, I want to give space to Pastor Brett and Jim as well. But um, in my own life, no matter the transition of whomever in my life, and by the way, I've experienced this as a congregant, and I vividly recall the range of emotions on that end range of emotions, which we've tried to create safe space for those to be expressed and cared for well by the pastoral community that is Grace Covenant Church in every nation, thank you, Pastor Brett and Jim. And yet no matter those transitions, God, it's like I heard clearly saying, you gotta keep standing, Paul. And so victory, I say to you again, keep standing, standing to see people reconciled to God and to each other, stand so that others can continue to live. And as a reminder of why we stand, I am briefly um, wanting to close with communion with us today because I do want to do that. And so I'm going to shift, hopefully not too abruptly, to that moment to remind us of why we stand, why we've stood, why we've done anything as a part of this church and our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. I want to invite you into that moment. And so please this moment grab your elements your juice your bread your water your crackers whatever it is at your disposal that today will represent the body and blood of jesus christ i'll give you a minute to do that and uh, we're going to partake together um, before i shift and turn it over to pastor brett pastor Communion, as we've talked about every first Sunday here at Victory, is a celebration of the gospel. The gospel that being that Jesus took on our sin, he lived the life we should have lived, He, he received the wages of that sin, which was death, died the death we should have died, in our place so that we could be made whole through him. Participation in communion is for anyone who has put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you haven't, you can do that now on the altar of your heart. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we ought not approach the table, communion, if you will, with a, with an, in an unworthy or irreverent manner, that we ought to ponder the significance of that sacrifice and then examine our own hearts toward that end. And so take 10 seconds just to examine your hearts and ponder the depth, the gravity of Jesus' sacrifice. Bible says in same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, beginning at the latter part of verse 23, that on the night the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. Verse 25 says, in the same way. After supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice on Calvary's cross through which we gain access to eternal life access to freedom from the power of sin on earth. (laughs) Freedom from the penalty of sin and someday the freedom of the presence of, of, of sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that chases us down even still. If you were to do nothing else, your sacrifice is enough. And yet you continue to cover us. You continue to bless us. You continue to give us community you continue to give us more illumination of your word you continue to heal you continue to deliver you continue to continue and yet it's your sacrifice on Calvary's cross to which we go to say thank you and now I present my body as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to you because it's my only reasonable service in Jesus' name amen Family, we, we we love you, and uh, I said we're going to go over a little bit. I'm going to invite Pastor Brett and Pastor Jim to unblank their screen, start their video, if you will, so that you can see their faces. Many of you tuning in have heard them already, uh, probably in person, but I know we have folks tuning in from other places, so maybe you've only heard me talk about them and the gratitude we have as a church for sending pastors, for ascending church, for spiritual family that has been alongside us the entire way, and now in this transition will continue to be. Well, here's a couple of faces to what I've spoken to and who I've spoken about with fondness and will continue to regard um, for the deposits in my life, which by extension victory are deposits in our life as a church. And I've asked them to join me to share some words with us and close us out in prayer. Once they're done, I'll blank my screen. Once they're done, I will, uh, since there's not much of an exchange on this platform, we had some of that earlier and will do in coming weeks. I did though want them to share with the broader community uh, their pastoral and beyond perspective on this transition, um, after which I will uh, stop the Zoom and the, the, the live stream. But Pastor Brett, Pastor Jim, the virtual floor is yours and thank you for being here. Pastor
1: Paul, thank you very much. Um, for those of you who do not know me, I think Pastor Paul uh, gave me a pretty accurate uh, introduction, but I wanted to flesh it out a little bit more to let you know why it's important for me to be here. As a sending pastor, uh, I pastor a church in Chantilly, Virginia, right outside Washington, D.C. And Pastor Paul, along with his extended family, not just his nuclear family, been a part of our church and better part of a decade on and off. And so they are like family to us. Um, I've adopted, his dad is my dad locally here. That's how much I love this family. Um, and when we send people, it's not just competency that or, or vision that commends us to say, you can go and we are blessing you in this. We want you to go, but it is also a relationship that when they go, they don't, even though they're arriving someplace else, they're still in our hearts. And that's the way I feel about your pastor. I love him and Taylor so much. They are outstanding as people, outstanding as leaders. You as a congregation are privileged to be able to have called them your own. You're not going to find better human beings on the planet. And yet, a day like this was inevitable, was it not? I mean, if we are to be real, he was going to leave at some point, either by expiring from the planet or by being sent again. It just happened quicker than we desired. It's never going to be pleasant whenever somebody we love or trust to lead us in a direction we couldn't get there on, couldn't get to on our own. It's never pleasant when they go, but it's inevitable. So these kinds of reminders should help us understand that our trust ultimately needs to be placed in God, not just a leader. Oh, we need leaders. They help us. They are God's gift to us, but they are not permanent and never should be regarded as such. I know some of you might be listening and saying, what did I just hear? You haven't haven't been on the grapevine as connected, connected, uh, connectively as you could have been um, in the past few days or weeks when things were rumbling out there in the academia, academic world about Pastor Paul and his potential departure. And so you are really surprised this morning when you hear, did he say he was leaving? Yeah, that's what he said. And he's leaving because he heard from God. Now, I know it doesn't sound very convenient because this church needs to go on, and he is the pastor and the founder. It's hard to replace a pastor who has great significance in the life of the church and has history enough to have led it someplace where it couldn't have gone on its own. But it's even harder to replace a founder. So I know this is difficult. I know it is. And there's no way around the difficulty. So we're gonna press through and find God in it. Number one, realizing this, that we all need to be more grateful for what we have received than disappointed about what we won't. You all got the best. Is there another church like Victory in Charlottesville? Multi-ethnic, bent on reconciliation between ethnic groups, multi-generational, has a passion to reach the next generation, it empowers women, Uh, is is addressing the major needs in the city beyond the the ability and and mandate to preach the gospel becoming relevant sociologically. Is Is there a church like this in Charlottesville? I think not. So what Pastor Paul has built is unique and My second point on this needs to go on, even if he can't go with it every day. Now, simply because he's moving to State College, Pennsylvania, doesn't mean he won't be with you, won't be with us. He will be in heart. And as I've said on the prior two calls, welcome, Matt's always out. You can always change that proximity thing. We'll take you back. We love you that much. But we have to continue to go on without him in body. And this mission and vision is bigger than him. It's bigger than me. He had this down on the inside of him before he came to Charlottesville. He wanted to do something that really made a difference with the ethnic tensions in our world and with bringing a church that was able to address so many different things in Charlottesville and bring the University of of Virginia to a place where it, it, it bowed its knee to Christ, along with the, the, the municipality that is Charlottesville. That's what his passion was. Um, that, that needs to still happen. And he's had this in his heart for a long period of time. He came to a people here in Chantilly over a decade ago that had the same kind of thing, just in a different locale. We're a multi-ethnic church. We're multi-generational. We, we reach out to campuses. We do everything you all do. Uh, and, and I don't know whether we inspired him to do it or he found the people that did what he wanted to do. Whatever the combination is, we feel as much with you as we do with us. Your vision is our vision. And when somebody who is a principal hears from God to do something else, it should mean that the church doesn't feel like their vision is now gone because a leader went. It should feel in the church like, okay, this must be a moment for me to step up, step up, come to a new level, bear more weight, enlarge my shoulders so I can increase the capacity for me to do more. Again, long way around in the front door. He was leaving someday. He was leaving someday. It's just quicker today than we thought. So it's an opportunity for all of us to grow. And the beauty is this, because he was sent from a people that built with the same architectural plan as he built with, it's easy for somebody like me to come in and talk like this because you hear my language. You understand my verbs. My grammar is not foreign to you. And we can still make a difference in this city substantively. I plan to do whatever I can in lending, using, deploying my gifts in a way that makes a difference in your world, giving you confidence that this congregation can become what it was supposed to be, even in the absence of its founder, because the vision is bigger than that. It was birthed by Almighty God, and he is not dependent simply on one human being to make it happen, important as that human being is. He's not dependent upon them. He's bigger than that, and I'm preaching to myself with this, I am I pastor a church, again, a little bit larger than the one that you all are in, but gosh, if the vision is not carried on beyond me, I've done a bad job of leading. If I don't have people above me who can come in and help if something were to happen to me, I've done a bad job of following, and Paul has done neither. He is built well on the inside as evidenced by all of the beautiful faces that I've seen in the last two other calls, ethnically, uh, white, black, Latino, uh, African, uh, Asian. It is beautiful. Looks like what we build here. And he has not only built well, but he has followed well. In that he wanted me to be a part of this process. and said, Pastor, help. help guide this thing. Help guide this thing to where it ought to go. Now, I don't know that I have the map. I mean, I've got a good idea about probably where things ought to go to, but every congregation is different when they go through something like this. When a leader departs, you know, you have personalities that are different. The inner structure of how the congregation is formed is always different from another. Even though they might have the same kind of theology, they've got a different methodology and how they perform things. Their ecclesiology is a little bit different. And so I come in, you know, very gingerly. I'm not in any way. I don't even have a right to come in and take control. I'm not trying. And but believe me, I don't I don't need any more work to do. But I do want to be a help because this church is so significant in the city. And so I am doing what I can to consult with Pastor Paul and saying, what can I do to assist in the process of making sure that we don't drive this congregation into a ditch? It's not a ditch out. If we go there, it's not a ditch out of which we can't get. But it would be a ditch, and we'd have to go ahead and pull ourselves out and start back over. I'm trying to make sure that we head down the right road and make the right turns at every point. And Pastor Paul has been very welcoming to my input. Now, the Bible Bible talks about the church being a multi-governed institution, meaning there are different kinds of people that can help in the process of moving forward. It's not just the senior pastor. Now you all are only about three years old as a congregation. And so you haven't come to the place where you've established elders and associate pastors and all of the other uh, governmental forms and pillars in the house that need to be need to be there. You are still a young church. You're still just just right at a plant. And so you don't have everything that you would normally have. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's like looking at a seven-year-old and, and then saying, why aren't you 10? No, 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 no. It's just where you are. But that doesn't mean that you are lacking. It simply means that there are other supplies to bring to, to bear that you don't have locally. And that's what I have been to Pastor Paul, a pastor to him and to help in the area of progress, along with Pastor Jim and the board of Victory Church. And we represent not just a legal function, but we represent an apostolic function, a biblical function, and that the church is governed by more than just one person. Ephesians chapter four says that when Jesus arose, he he ascended and gave gifts to men. So when he went up, he dispersed, distributed gifts down. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the building up and equipping of saints for the work of ministry. And so the church is to be built on more than just one particular gift, and definitely on more than just one particular person. And this is where we come in, Pastor Jim Critcher, who you see there on the screen. He's a he's a legit prophet. He's the real deal, not just prophetic. He is a prophet of God. I'm a pastor, but I'm also somebody who has a little bit of apostolic in him. Uh, I can never be confused with anybody that's uh, has the, name, the label apostle, the title apostle in the Bible ever. But I'm apostolic and that I have been sent from wherever I was to be here and that's what apostle means sent I was sent from Indiana University here to help establish this house and I do a lot of sending and that we sent pastor Paul and others to plant churches all around the world we help to govern the church toward its its best possible goals its end and so that's why we're stepping in now to to give the kind of assistance that uh i think might accelerate you all toward transitioning in in this way as smoothly as possible and let me say this the leaders with whom i've met over the last three hours like wow i've been in transition churches that were much less congenial not using very good manners you all are doing a fabulous job it's hard i know it's hard I know it's hard, but I want to thank you for your good manners and your understanding that a man is doing what he can to hear from God. That's what Pastor Paul's doing, doing what he can to hear from God for his family and for his calling. And all of us need to respect that, even if if it means we're losing something and believe that God can supply in the areas of our lack. As I begin to close here, I'm going to let Pastor Jim share and then I'll come back. But again, I want to thank Pastor Paul. Paul. I wanna thank Taylor. I wanna thank them for their sacrifice, their love for the city. Going through 2020 differently than most people went through 2020. And 2020 was hard for everybody. It was doubly hard for them. Thank you for coming through better than you started. You developed the character of Christ. You weren't bitter. You weren't resentful. You were redemptive to the people that hurt you. And you were were an example to the church about what it means to be a real Christian, not just a pastor, but a really good Christian. Thank you for being an example. Thank you for loving your house, your family, and the house of Almighty God. And thank you for starting this church. Not many things harder to do and to start a church. It's like starting a business. Only the crazy do so. <laughs> uh, but when you start a church, it's starting a business with the devil uh, putting a big bullseye on you. And so you got, you got the difficulty of doing all the business stuff that would take um, the hair off people who are entrepreneurs. And then adding the fact that you got to fight the devil every day just to get up and be encouraged that somehow or another your leadership skills are going to press through and, and, and shine so that other people want to follow. Thank you, Pastor Paul, for doing the hard, indeed, doing the impossible and seeing God begin to produce beyond that which you could. You are outstanding and we love you. And we're going to miss you. Pastor Jim.
2: Thank you, Pastor Brett. Thank you for your leadership, your wisdom. Victory Church, we sure love you a lot. Um, so proud of you in this moment and in the moments yet to come. You know, when it gets down to it, guys, we're all change averse. We go to restaurants, we order the same food. We tend to hang out with the same folks that still laugh at our jokes, even though they're not funny. Um, because we, we we like, we know what we like and we like what we know, and we like pastor paul taylor a lot as a matter of fact we love them and yet one of the one of the great constants of this temporal world that we live in is one of change pastor paul mentioned in his message this morning for instance that this process of sanctification of becoming less like us and more like christ is something that we sign up for we didn't even know that we did change becomes the great constant And yet God has always been aware that Paul and Taylor was sent to Charlottesville for a moment. Uh, Certainly not as long as that any of us would have probably ordered or liked. I can promise you, as Jesus was describing to his disciples, boys, I'm leaving. It's been a a great three and a half years with you, but uh, I'm going away. Now, imagine for a moment, these men have left their businesses, their families. People think that they're crazy. They're insurrectionists. They're terrorists. They're, they're just, and now their leader is saying, but it's a good thing I'm going. You, you you don't even understand, but it's a really great thing I'm going. Even to the point that he had to come back and, and uh, begin to assuage the, the emotions coming up and says, your sorrow will turn into joy. And it was as a direct result of Jesus' departure that released the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, whereby which the church could be birthed in that very environment. But it required a leaving before there was a true sending. I take great comfort in moments like this of knowing that none of this ever catches God by surprise. He's not a God that's ever been surprised, nor will he ever be surprised. And he gives us, if not specific instruction, he gives us unique insights in Scripture into moments like this. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, he's speaking to the church there out of a place of conflict. Divisions have occurred within the church, and those divisions have seemed to uh, be centered, if you wish, around certain personalities, certain leaders, and so he's bringing a general rebuke to the church. But, but in this rebuke, he's also giving us some very, very unique understanding of different type or different functions of how different men and women function at different times over the life of the church. And he writes this in the third chapter. And he says, who's Apollos? Apollos, one of the leaders in the church. What is Paul's servants? That's all they are. As the Lord has assigned each to his unique task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is really anything, but only God really that makes it grow. And the man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. So whether it's Pastor Paul over the past three years, whether it's whoever the next person is and whatever their tenure is, they have a unique assignment in that moment in the life of the church, as each one of you who've been assigned to unique fields within the church there and in that city, God has an assignment for you, but God's making it grow. But he goes on in verse 10 and he says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, but someone else is building on it. And each one should be careful how he builds for no one can lay any foundation other than one other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Fascinating. We see two foundations, the primary one being that of Christ. But then there's a there's an apostolic foundation that was laid there in the church. And yet Paul himself says, but others are going to build on that. You see, the most critical component of any structure is the foundation, but the visibility of that foundation is only for a moment. And then that foundation is built upon and you don't even, you don't see it anymore. And yet everything that you see that rises up from it is as a direct result of the integrity of that foundation. Pastor Paul Taylor, thank you. Because you've laid an amazing foundation at Victory. It's incredible. And as much as you will be missed, let me tell you, the foundation of what you have done in that place, there's going to be some amazing building that's going to happen on it. But we will not forget the foundation. First of all, Jesus Christ has, you know, as the primary builder and architect of every church, including Victory. But that which Pastor Paul Taylor, his current leadership team that you've laid as well. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus made one other promise to those disciples as he was giving them the bad news that he was leaving. He said, we will not leave you. I will not leave you as orphans. Many of us are feeling something in our hearts right now saying, who's going to take care of me? Who's going to help my marriage? Who's going to help me navigate the challenges of raising this teenager? Let me just tell you. Pastor Brett, myself, the larger every nation world, we will not leave you as orphans. God loves you. We love you. And let me say to you, the greatest days of this church and its impact on that city are yet ahead. Thank you, church. Bless you. Pastor Brett.
1: Pastor Jim, thank you very much for your comments. Very well said. And let me echo uh, that which Pastor Jim just, just communicated. Um, we're committed. I'm not a hundred miles up the road, just as like the, the uncle to the visits to Thanksgiving. That's not me. When I sense that a church is in need, I come running and I'm bringing everything that I've got, my experience, my gifts, my calling, and sliding it in to make sure that the right people and the right help is brought to this congregation so that it does not miss a beat. That's my commitment to you. I'm convinced that our, as Pastor Jim said, the church's greatest days are ahead. And because I have that confidence, I'm gonna do everything I can, along with Pastor Jim and our every nation world to make sure that that is realized in such a way that honors Pastor Paul and Taylor for their sacrifice and their founding. A house to to which they can always come and find home, not just a place of familiarity, but a place that has continued to progress in what they founded. That makes a founder happy. Our goal is to figure out a way to make sure that they are overjoyed in the days to come. Church, we bless you. We love you much and we thank you for giving us an opportunity to help you through this transition. Pastor Paul?
0: Pastor Brett, Pastor Jim, thank you. Uh, victory Church fam, we love you. Um, and let's continue to live in victory. Uh, we'll, we'll be in touch about future conversations and, and worship experiences before we make the trek up to a much colder and way snowier space. Uh, and we look forward to those moments, but we love you. Pastor Paul, let me say
1: one other thing. Yes. I realize that some people might think that this is it. No, no, no.
0: No, no, no.
1: July, Pastor Paul's staying around, and he's going to still preach some. Um, and there will be some formal moments whereby everybody's going to get to say goodbye. I'm, I'm believing that <laughs> our, not, our, our vaccinations are going to allow us to do that in person, because mm-hmm. I don't want to have a goodbye virtually. Amen. So I, I, if need be, I will take the reins on this from Pastor Paul and say, we're going to do this in person. Even if we have to do it outside, we're going to do it in person. Because that <laughs> man needs that kind of honor. It doesn't need to be done digitally. It needs to be with hands laid on. It needs to be with tears felt. It needs to be with everybody rejoicing, clapping, be able to be heard, affirmation being bestowed. All of that in order to see this family sent out well.
0: Love you, Paul. Amen. Amen. Love you as well. Let's live in victory, family. Amen.